Thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. We're continuing our series that we've called Build Your Faith. If you could say this with me, Build Your Faith. Say it one more time. Build Your Faith. And so today I titled this message, Why Not Me? This whole series is about how God wants to build our faith. He wants us to grow in our faith. He wants to upon layer, upon layer, upon layer. That's why, as you saw in our bumper video of, of, a, of a little kid building a log house with, with those Lincoln logs, because that's what faith is about. You just don't get it. Boom, you got it. Hey, I got faith. Yay. No, no, it is a journey that you grow in and you develop in and you make decisions in and you, and you allow the Lord to shape you and move you forward in your faith and so that you eventually begin to build your faith. And you look back on your life, you think, wow, God has built something tremendous. But it begins with making a decision that you want to build your faith. And so today, though, I want to talk about this, this idea and this principle and this reality and the fact is that God wants to use you. Do you believe that? Because most of us think, well, God wants to use the guy up there on stage. God wants to use the missionary in the other country. God wants to use the special people that, that walk around and somehow are special. No, no, God wants to use you. And that's why the question or the title of this message is, why not me? Why not you? Now, I know it's, it will look different in people's lives and how God chooses to use people, but the goal is the same, that people's lives are touched, are transformed, are healed, and they are loved through you in the name of Jesus Christ. But most of the time, we keep a distance from God. We're okay building our faith over here, but when it comes to, no, what do you mean, God, you want to use me? We keep a distance from him. We think, you know what, God doesn't want to use me. We think this God can't use me. But the question is, why not you and why not me? Because I believe that God's desire is for every believer and person in, in the body of Christ that calls themselves a, a, a Christian and has Jesus living on the inside, that God wants to use you to do something that you never thought was actually possible. And this verse that we're about to read out of Chronicles has really been my life verse. It's been my life verse because I can identify with this. That when God's looking for people to use, there, the, he has some prerequisites. There are some things. He, I, I, he's looking for someone that he can use to bring him glory and honor on the earth. And Second Chronicles says this. For the eyes of the Lord range or go to and fro throughout the earth to strengthen those or to use those whose hearts are fully committed to him. This is the whole prerequisite that people's hearts that are committed to him. And this has been the anchoring scripture and in my life it's very important to me because I can see God's eyes looking. 
I can see him searching throughout the, the whole earth, looking for people who say, God, you know what, I, I, don't, I don't have much to give you, but, but what I give you is my heart. And people who want to be a part of what God wants to do on this earth, that's what I believe our church is all about, that every person is a minister. If you're a part of this church, you are a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Wherever you go, all the time, that's who you are. And I believe that. And that's what we teach in our growth track, that every person is a minister. And so what I like about this is that the, the prerequisite for God using and God's eyes stopping and looking at you and, and, and saying, I want to strengthen you. What I love about this verse is that it, it, does, it doesn't say anything about like, like he's looking for a life with no mistakes. The eyes of the Lord are going to and fro throughout the earth looking for someone who is perfect. If you read all through the Bible, God used people all the time. They were massively flawed, but they had one thing, is that their hearts longed for God. Their hearts were hungry for God. Their hearts were sensitive to God. It doesn't say that the, the eyes of the Lord go throughout the, all, throughout the earth looking to strengthen someone with, with a past that has nothing embarrassing in it. Or with a high IQ. With, no, he only stops on those who are really smart and have a high IQ. Or maybe God, God's eye is going to, to and fro throughout the earth looking for someone who's really good looking. You know, then, then God will use you. Turn and tell someone they're good looking. Just tell them. God, say, God would choose you but not me. Go ahead and tell them that. Or God is, God's only looking for people who went to the right school, who, who went to the right college, or who went to college who came from the right families, who knows the right people, who, who have bow staff and nunchuck skills. That's what God's looking for. But it says this, that God is looking for a heart. It says, God, I, I, I don't have much, but what I do have, I give it to you. My heart is yours. My life is yours. Use me for your glory. And God says, that's what I'm looking for. That's who I want. I'm looking for somebody who says, I'll give you my heart. Because that's all I got. This is God's desire for us. And this, is for, for this whole series is that build our faith. That God can take your life and can use you. And can do things you never thought. Possible. First Corinthians says this that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. Doesn't say for those who got it all together. Doesn't say for those who, 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 who you know, they're, all, they're in the in crowd. For those who got the right last name. For those who, who jumped through all the hoops. For those who look religious. No, 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 no. It says that God has things that we can't even imagine. No eye has seen, no ear has heard. No mind has imagined what God's prepared for those who what? Who what? Love him. God's after someone who is passionate for him. And I'll tell you this. This world is out to destroy your passion for God. Satan has, has an assignment against your heart. He wants to rob you from what God wants to do in you and through you because he wants to distract 
your heart. Notice that the beginning scripture that the eyes of the Lord are looking for a heart that's fully committed to him. Notice this, that God has amazing things prepared for those who love him. Love comes from the heart and Satan is out to sabotage your heart. He's out to convince us that God can't use you. That God can't move through you. That God can't build your faith. That your faith will never be significant. That God will never do a miracle in your family or in your business or in your church or in your marriage or in your kids or in your health. He will tell you you are too broken, you're too empty, you're too old, you're too young, you're too short, you're too tall, you're too skinny, you're too fat, you're just too much. And he'll tell you that. And he'll constantly tell you, yes, God wants to use you, but you can't. But he can't because of who you are. And I believe that God wants to build our faith today and give us some keys to help us overcome these hang-ups that keep us from trusting in God's thoughts towards us. And give us some keys to help us build our faith and to move forward and move forward in our faith and to allow God to use us. And I'm going to pull these principles today from a character in Scripture. His name is Joshua. We're going to be taking them from the first nine verses of Joshua chapter 1. And I believe they're very appropriate to us today. Because I believe my heart for you today is that you would leave here with an understanding that God actually wants to use me. He wants to use me. And even as I'm telling you right now, some of you are thinking, no, he doesn't. I'm too, I'm too, I'm too. Listen, that's the voice of the enemy. I'm telling you, God wants to use you. And God wants to use this church. And God wants to do something amazing in your life. I just heard today we had 55 people who did our small group's leadership training this morning. Why? Because they said, God, I want you to use me. They said yes to God. So we're going to look at Joshua and see what, what can we learn from Joshua. And I'm going to read you the first nine verses. I'm going to read them quick because I don't want to keep you here till 1 um, p.m. Because, you know, restaurants get really busy. So we want to make sure we beat the rush. So Joshua chapter 1, starting 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. The Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun. Now before I get into this, you need to understand. Joshua is the guy who took over from Moses. So Moses led the children, of, of the children of Israel out of Egypt. He led them in the promised land for 40 years. He was, he was the man. He was their leader. And they came to a point, now this promised land that God had promised them, they were getting ready to go to it. But it was, it, it was Moses' time. He was done. And so Moses passed the leadership over to Joshua, and, jo- and Moses died. And now Joshua's job is to lead the people of Israel into the promised land. They weren't there yet, but he was the man who was going to take them there. So he says, so the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses, Moses is a Moses, my servant is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend the desert to Lebanon, and from the great river to Euphrates, to the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous. 
because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law that my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from the right or to the left that you may, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Do you see the theme here? He's encouraging him. He's constantly encouraging him. And so the first key that, that I want you to, to understand today that of, of this idea that God wants to use you. In order for you to allow God to use you, you're going to have to do number one is this. You need to doubt your doubt. You need to doubt your doubt. I think the best way to deal with doubt is to give it right back to it. If doubt tries to tell you why you can't do something, you just say, you know what, I doubt your doubt. I doubt it. I doubt it. I doubt that. <laughs> James 1.6 says this. You must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. So before God can use you, and his desire is to use you, and to use you in a great way, you're going to have to deal with this doubt issue. And that's what happens in all of our lives. We doubt that God can actually use us in great ways. We always put limits on us. Now remember the verse we read that, that God wants to do beyond what we, no, no eye has seen, no ear has heard. What God has prepared. No, no, no one has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But for some reason, when we start thinking how God wants to use us in our business, in our family, in, in, a, in, in ministry or at the church, we think, yes, but it can only go this far. And I believe that Joshua probably had some doubt issues. I guarantee you he struggled with some insecurities. Every one of us in this room have insecurities. And if you say you don't have insecurities, that's your insecurity. And Joshua had some doubt issues. And I, listen, I would have as well. I mean, he was taken over from Moses. Moses is the man. I mean, legends of Moses. He goes up on Mount Sinai, comes down, his face is glowing. It's like, it's Moses. You know, some people didn't like Moses one day, so God opened up the earth, swallowed up 3,000 of them. They were like, everyone else is like, I love you, Moses. You're a good guy. I mean, Moses is the man. And Joshua takes over from Moses and begins to lead these people. I mean, Deuteronomy calls Moses the greatest man who ever lived. Like, okay, talk about big shoes to fill. And then Joshua, your turn. He had to be dealing with some stuff in his life. I mean, not only that was he taking over from Moses, it was now the assignment that he was given to lead the children of Israel. Joshua, you're going to be the guy who's going to lead them. You know, you know the whole reason why they wandered in this, in this wilderness for 40 years and they were all looking for the promised land and, and, and they were getting there? Yeah, you're the guy who's actually going to get them there. Okay? You're going to lead them. You're going to take them over to the promised land. 
But just so you know, there's seven nations that are over there that are bigger than you. They're stronger than you. They, they, they actually have weapons. And, you've, you know, it, poor Joshua's like, these guys know how to build bricks. That's what they know how to do. They know how to build bricks and stomp on mud. Like, we're going to go beat them. What are they going to do? Like, just hang on a second. Let me make some bricks and, like, throw them at them. What are they going to do? And so Joshua's sitting there thinking, okay, we're going we're gonna to defeat these nations. We're going to defeat these strong armies. And you want me to do it. And just like any leader, no leader wants to take over a, an organization or a group of people and be the one to, to bury them all out in the desert. Nobody wants to do that. I'm sure he had a lot of doubt. I'm sure he struggled with some confidence in his life. And just on the verge of him beginning this campaign, beginning the fight, beginning the battle that they were going to be in for many, many years, they're standing on the banks of the Jordan River. They're going to have to cross the Jordan River and begin this, the, the battle on the other side of the promised land, which is where Israel is today. But the night before they cross over, this is what God does. God says, Joshua, I want you to come here, come here, step into my office, son. Come here. So Joshua walks in his office and shuts the door. He says, yes, God. God says, have a seat. This isn't in the Bible. I'm making this up. So just so you know. <laughs> Joshua sits down. He says, listen, I, I need to give you a little pep talk here, son. And four times in Joshua 1. God says, listen, you need to be confident. You need to be determined. You, listen, listen, Joshua, the first thing you're going to have to do is you're going to have to deal with this doubt issue. Because I know what's going on in your heart. You're thinking there's no way. There's no way. I mean, one, the, the, the river is in front of me. Last time we faced a river, I had Moses. Moses took that stick thing and stuck it out and split apart. And I don't have a stick thing. God says, listen to me, son. Look at me. Look, no, lift, look, son, look at me. Look at me. In Joshua 1, 9, this is what God says. You be bold, son. You be strong. I love this translation. Banish fear and doubt from your heart. For remember, the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. Before God could ever use you, you're going to have to doubt your doubts. In other words, whatever the enemy is telling you, you're going to know, I doubt that. That's not true. And this is just for us. It's this running narrative in all of our minds that anytime you feel God's eyes are falling on you, you feel your faith begin to rise. You know what? God could use me. You know what? Maybe that's right. You know what? Maybe divorce wasn't, wasn't the nail in my coffin. You know what? Maybe, maybe, maybe abuse is not what's going to define me. Maybe bankruptcy is not what's going to set me up just for the rest of my life and I'm just out and can't do anything. Maybe the pain of my, my, of my past, maybe my sin, maybe my jail time, it doesn't define me. It's the moment we begin to sense God's putting his eyes on us, we start rehearsing in our minds. We start rerunning all the stuff that's been said about you, all the things that Satan has spoken over you, all the things that you believe, all the mistakes that you begin to make, and these are what are called your doubts. And I'm telling you, it is a conscious decision. I doubt 
my doubts. It's not natural because everything is telling you why God can't use you. Why God, why, why, why God, why God actually doesn't need you. And I'm telling you this, God isn't looking for a loaded resume. He's not looking for somebody who's jumped through, through all the hoops and, and does all the right stuff. According to Scripture, God's looking for a heart that loves him. Anybody can do that. And most, most people, what's so funny is as we begin to follow God, as we begin to, to give him our lives, as we begin, we sense the faith in our own hearts. You know what? God, you can, you can restore my marriage. You can rescue my lost kids. You can save us, God. You can, you can heal me. You can restore me. You can. Once we begin to do that, all of a sudden, we begin to doubt. And what happens is, is we begin to doubt what we believe, and then we begin to believe what we doubt. And the Bible tells us to fight for our beliefs. It says to fight for our beliefs. I'm not talking about write your congressman. I'm not talking about do, do a voting campaign. I'm not talking about get a petition going and, and try to do something. No, no, no. I'm talking about the fighting for your beliefs that happens right here in between two, your two ears. This is, this is where it starts. And the enemy loves to get you to doubt God's plan and to doubt God's plan for your life. And the main way he does it, when he gets you to rehearse your failures over and over and over and over again. He gets you comparing yourself to this person. To, well, I'm not like that person. I'm not like that person. I didn't come from that place. My mama wasn't this. My daddy wasn't that. Well, I can't do this. And I can't. Listen, that's what happens. You start comparing yourself. And comparison is the killer to God doing anything with your life. That's why Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, he says this, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God is everything that God says about you. That's his knowledge. That's what he sees in you. That's what he calls you. He calls that out of you. That's his knowledge of you. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And we take captive every thought that's contrary to the will of God and to the knowledge of God. What are we doing? We are doubting our doubts. God says, I want to use you. God says, I want to help you. God says, I've anointed you. God says, I've got the Holy Spirit that wants to empower you to be witnesses in, in, in this place and wherever you walk, wherever you go, go. But you just need to start believing my voice and doubting the voice of the enemy. you got to know this. Did the cross of Jesus Christ remove your past? Did it remove it? Then we need to start living that way. So you doubt your doubts. The second thing and how you can allow God to use you is you need to pursue God's promise for your life. This word promise is very, very, very important, especially in the life of Joshua. Thirteen times in the book of Joshua, he uses the word, God uses the word promise. So if you were to summarize the life of Joshua, it would simply be this, Joshua, go get what I promised you. Go get it. Seek it out. Go after it. Don't quit. When you come up to a wall, knock the stinking wall down. Keep moving forward to get my promise for your life. This is what 
God tells Joshua as they're standing and he's looking across the Jordan, looking to the promised land, thinking, how am I going to do this? How's this going to work? Joshua 1, 3, and 4, he says, God says this, I promised you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land that I've given you. Another translation says, wherever the sole of your foot touches, I'm giving you that land. Meant to me, if God told me this, he said, hey, Jason, just so you know, wherever the soles of your feet step belongs to you. You know what? I, I would start running. I'd be like, well, I'm going to get over here. Get over, wait, wait. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. My step, baby, in Jesus' name. Wherever you go, wherever the soles of your feet touch, it's yours. Now notice it doesn't say, as you sit there, and whatever land I bring and touch the soles of your feet with, then that belongs to you. No, no, no. Wherever the soles of your feet touch, I'm going to give you the land. This is the promise. That was the promise. And you had to pursue that promise. You got, you got to know that promise is for your life. Pursue God's promise for your life. Listen, don't think, well, Jason, you're, I don't know, you're getting a little crazy. I mean, what's, do we really believe in all the promises? Listen, listen, when you get to heaven, God's not going to be like, man, I'm a little frustrated with you. You actually believed me. And you pursued those promises that you read in, in my word. So you, you read the Bible and then you believed me. Come on. Listen, I, want, I, want, I would rather get to heaven and God be like, man, Jason. You actually took me at my word. You're crazy. Or you know what? You just believe too much, Jason. It's too much. Listen, God wants, God has promises for you. And you need to pursue them. And when you read the Bible, you're going to see that God is truly looking for people who he can make his name great through. Listen, if if you're looking to make your name great, listen, you're in the wrong business. God won't have it. It says that God opposes the proud and he elevates the humble. He lifts up the humble. If you want to make his name great, if you want God to do supernatural things through your life, if you want God to, to, to do crazy stuff with you at your work or in your family, with your finances, if you want that, begin with your mind. God, I want you to use me so that I can make your name great. Listen, if you're doing it to get a bigger house, forget it. But if you're doing it to make God's house bigger, then go for it. That's what God wants. He's looking for these people. and Because these promises are about him. These promises are about his fruit. These promises is about populating heaven. These promises is about his kingdom moving forward. And so my advice to you, if you want to know what God's promises are, you got to read the Bible. You got to be in the word. You gotta, it needs to be a part of your life. You need to be growing in it. You need to be eating it. You need to be a part of your life in every, every aspect. And God, God has specific promises for certain people. And there are things that, that he does in people's lives that they will, some will be stronger in some people's lives. Listen, if you think, you know what, I believe I'm going to be a worship leader and you can't sing a lick. I'm telling you, it's probably not God's will for you. Don't pursue that promise. But there are some promises that burn deeply in your heart. You need to pursue them. You need to pray about them. You need to lean into them. 
You, you need to know, man, there's something about this promise. There's something about this scripture that seems to stand out to me and pursue it. Let God do it in your life and through your life. And listen, don't, don't define what God has for your life by looking at someone else's life. Don't do that. God created you to be unique. He created you to fill a, a, a role in the body of Christ. And every, as we know, in the body, there are different functions for all different types of things. Be the part that God's called you to be and be happy and satisfied with that part. So you doubt your doubt. And then you pursue God's promises. Also, number three, in order to fulfill God's purpose and plan for your life, you need to rely on God. And this is more than just believing. This is more than just having a thought. It means depending on him. It means you're trusting in God. It means you're giving him your life, knowing that he's good. You're not dictating the outcome of something if it doesn't go exactly the way that you thought it would or it should go. And, and you're, you're, you, you know, your heart's a wreck or maybe you walk through a very difficult situation and, and on the other side you're, you're hurting and you're like, but God, I thought you were good. No, no, relying on God is in the midst of your pain. You say, God, I know that you're going to use this for my good. I know that your word says that you work all things together for good for those who love you and are called according to your purpose. This is relying on God. It's trusting in the sovereignty of God, no matter what you go through, no matter what you're dealing with, is that this God that we serve is actually good. And he's going to work his good in your life no matter what. He's going to work his good in your life regardless of the pain that you're walking through. Listen to what God tells Joshua as he steps into his, this new land that he's beginning to step into, preparing to step into. He wants to give Joshua more confidence. And there were battles ahead. God knew it. There's going to be pain ahead. God knew it. There's going to be judgment and things that are going to happen. God knew it. But then he reminded Joshua, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And God says this to you. You can rely on me. God says this to you. You can trust me. And Joshua accomplished the impossible, incredible odds, because he was relying on the Lord. Four times God says in this chapter, and he says to you, he says, be confident, don't doubt, be strong, be determined. Why? Because Joshua, you can trust and rely on me. So here's the question to you. Here's the challenge today. Who or what are you relying on for your strength? Who or what are you relying on? Is it somebody else? Are you relying on your bank account? Are you relying on the approval of other people for your strength? That, oh, oh, oh now, now, now they approve of me? Now I can be strong. Are you relying on things going exactly the way that you need them to go for you to be strong and for God to use you? Are you relying on, on if you can make your boss happy or like you? or Are you looking to people to give you your strength? Listen, if you are, if you're looking to your wife to give you your strength or your husband to give you your strength or your children to give you your strength or your pastor to give you your strength, or, or, listen, here's the problem. They're people just like you. And if we are looking to human beings... And putting them in a place that God never intended them to be in our lives. 
they're going to fall short. They're not going to let you down because they're mean. They're not going to let you down because they did it on purpose. They're going to let you down because they were trying to carry you and they became weak themselves and they couldn't carry you either. And God wants us to rely on him. He wants us to put our trust in him and to him alone. And God has called us to put our trust in him. And you can't rely on other people. But I will tell you this. You can depend on God. So if you can't depend on other people for all your strength, if you can't depend on other people to meet your needs, if you can't depend on, on always saying the right thing and messing up, and so if your whole life is always determined on, did I say the right thing? Did I do the right thing? Did I make the right person happy? Did they make me happy? Did this person, did my kid, did my, did my kid hug me when they left today? Did my teenager give me a dirty look? And did me, what does this mean? Or, oh, my bad. Or oh, did my pastor say hi to me? Did he not say hi to me? Did, what, and you're, oh, oh, and you're going to go crazy. Because here's the reality. The reason why you can't depend on people, because let me ask you this. Can you depend on yourself? And we put expectation on people that we know ourselves we could never live up to that expectation. God says, hey, look at me. You can rely on me. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So what, what do we do then? Proverbs 3 says this, that you trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, and in all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. He will be the one to make sure you get where you need to get when you need to get there. No man can thwart the will and the plan of God for your life. No man can do that. You need to hear, someone needs to hear that. No man can thwart God's will and his plan for your life, for those who love him and for those who give him their hearts. Trusting God is not easy. It doesn't come natural. But it's part of the faith walk and building your faith. And the last point is this. How do you allow God to use you is number four. You actually start taking steps. There comes a point in your life, listen, you got to stop talking about it. You got to stop discussing it. You got to stop praying about it. You got to stop thinking about it. You got to stop putting fleeces out before God and say, God, if you do this, then I'll do that. And then God does that. Well, okay, God, I need you to do this so you can do this. Okay, God, I need my Aunt Susie to call me and tell me this word. And if she tells me, then I'll know that you're going to do this. God said, no, 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 stop, stop it. It's time to take a step. Now listen, it doesn't have to be a big step. I'm not talking about you got it loaded all up in a U-Haul and dump it off at the, at the Goodwill store. That's not what I'm saying. But you got to take a step. You got to do something. You got to go from here to here. And it's by faith you are building your house of faith. 
You are building your faith over and over and over and over and over again. you got to say, wait a minute, it starts with a thought. We, it's time for us to get ready. For some of you families, you're going to say, listen, it's time for us to take a step. For some of you, there are some finances in your life, and you're like, you know what? It's time for you to begin to do something with those finances for God's kingdom. And maybe it's time for you to serve in the children's ministry. It's time for you to do something. It's time for you to take a step. Joshua told the leaders in Joshua 1.10, he said this, Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. What was happening? They were on this side of the Jordan River. Promised Land was on that side, and they were right here. So he starts going through, tell them, get ready, get ready. And they're thinking, ready to cross that? Ready to go over that water right there? Yeah, the promised land's on the other side. Well, thanks, Joshua. I know it's over there, but do you not see the flooded river right in front of us? And they had to cross over. They had, but, and so Joshua said, it's time to get ready. In other words, get your stuff ready, pull your tent, tent stakes up. It's time to do it. And so here's the deal. The Jordan River normally, normally, everyone say normally, is only about 100 feet wide and 20 feet deep, except during flood season. And guess what season it was? It was flood season. And it becomes a giant, rushing, very dangerous river. And this is what they faced, which is typical of God. To put them right there during flood season, everything is looking overwhelming. You, might, you, you got stuff in your life that looks so overwhelming, and you're just sitting there on the banks of the river like this. Man, that's a big, stinking river. And so you're setting camp. You think, well, we might as well, let's just, instead of living in a tent, I know we're supposed to go over there. Let's just stop here. Let's just stop on this side. It's just easier because I don't see how we could ever get past this river. I know God promised me that, but there's a river. But Joshua says, no, 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 get ready. So there weren't any bridges. They didn't have any pontoon boats. They, they didn't have, there wasn't a ferry. They were going to just call it. There wasn't a Jordan River Uber they were going to call. There's nothing. God says, I'm going to do a miracle for you, Joshua. Joshua, remember, remember, the, remember the Red Sea? Remember Moses and he had the, the staff and he went to the Red Sea and God said, what's in your hand? And Moses said, it's, a, it's this stick of the staff. And God said, stick it out. And he did, boom, in the river. And, and Joshua was like, yeah, yeah, I remember that. I remember that. Yeah, 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 yeah. God's like, I'm not going to do it that way. I'm not going to do it that way. I'm going to do it differently. This time, I want you to start walking through the water first. And then I'll show up. Now, we don't want to hear that. I, can I do the Moses thing? That was pretty cool. I like the Moses thing. <laughs> you just stand here, the water's there, and you just... You know, it's awesome. But now I, 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 want, I want you to begin to walk in the water. Tell the priest to start walking in the water. And so, and remember, he's told everybody, get ready. 
the Lord's going to show up today. So they're remembering. Just try, they, they've heard stories about Moses. They know, man, man, Moses, he was the man. Now Joshua, the other people didn't get, didn't get their feet wet. And now you want us to get our feet wet. So the priest, they probably rolled up their pants a little bit. And they rolled them up, you know. Let's just do this just for fun. Just, just roll them up. They took their, their socks. Don't, no one take pictures. Just hang on. <laughs> Somebody, I knew you stupid. They walk over, and they start getting their feet wet. What's happening? Nothing. So they, they walk on in there. I'm going to put these down because this could be really weird after a long time. So hang on. Should have thought about that one. So they walk out there. They get in there, and all of a sudden, the river kind of calms down a little bit. They're, they're watching it. It goes from like super wide to getting narrower and narrower. And they realized, wait a minute. Somebody stopped the flow of water up there. The water's not flowing anymore. And then the water begins to come to a trickle, and it stops. And they start stepping. And they walk across into the promised land. And for us today, the question is this. What is your Jordan River? What is impossible? What is that you're looking at? You think, God, you, it, it can't happen. Maybe it's in your, in your own life. I, I, God, you can't, ever do, you can't do this in my life. I, I know you want to, but I'm just too broken. I'm just too hurting. I'm just too empty. I made too many mistakes. Nobody will accept me. Nobody will let me do it. And my question is this, what is it that's in the way for you? And you, you, you need to realize this, though. The first step is always the hardest step. Because everybody's watching. And your feet are going to have to get a little wet. But getting into the river is what's going to allow you to begin to see God's miracle for your life. That may be marriage counseling for you. It may be walking into your kid's bedroom at night when they're asleep. Beginning to pray over that child. Maybe walking through your house and saying, Lord, this house belongs to you. And maybe when your wife is sleeping, put your hand over on her pillow and say, Lord, bring my wife back to me. Your Jordan River may be a, an alcoholic husband that's addicted to opioids Whatever it may be, Lord, this is my river. I'm going to start taking a step. I don't know what your river is, but what I do know is that we serve a miracle-working God. And he's waiting on us to take a step. The question for you today is, are you willing to take the step? Are you willing to take a step? Are you willing to say, God, 
this is overwhelming, but I'm taking a step. It may be some of you here, you've been riddled with financial problems your whole life. And you've never given one dime of it to God. It's time to take a step. There's some of you who you've just accepted every diagnosis. You've never taken a step and said, wait, wait a minute. Lord, I'm going to give you a chance. You've never called your friend and said, will you just pray for me? You've never prayed for your lost husband. You never prayed for your lost wife. You, you, you've, never take, you've never gotten your feet wet because you were afraid. What if you look silly? What if, what if it doesn't work? What if, listen, forget about that. You can rely on God. He's just asking you to take a step. Listen, we are living in times when God's waiting for his church to take a step. Take a step. I don't care how young you are, how old you are, take a step. Some of you have, you've been riddled with unforgiveness your whole life. It has become such a part of you that you don't even know it's there. It's time to take a step. It's time to forgive people. It's time to release people. Listen, the, the one thing that's keeping you from your promised land is the grudge that, you're, that you've held against somebody a long time ago. You've never even talked to them about it. The enemy has come in and has woven a web that has, that has you stuck on, on the east side of the Jordan River. And your promised land is on the west. It's time to take a step. There may be some of you here who have been praying about a business endeavor. You've been praying about taking a step of faith and doing something crazy and wild and, and you know God it's the promises that keep speaking to you. you maybe you feel called to the nations maybe you feel called to be a missionary maybe you feel called to serve some maybe you feel called to be a pastor maybe you feel I, I don't know what it is but listen you won't get to the promised land until you prepare and you get your feet wet and it's time that we prepare and we get our feet wet we hope that this message has spoken something personal to you if you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center, located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.